Welcome to the Mindful Surfer podcast with myself, Will Foster, and my co-host, Liam, the much more shaven Morgan. Now, shaven where is up to you as the listener to decide, you know, where, just where, but it looks like his face at the moment. Dude, what's the news? Yes, I've um, reduced the beard fuzz, you know, as we're coming out of lockdown. I thought it better to start sort of reducing the facial hair. It just grows very quickly, my facial hair. So it comes, it's there, and then I have to reduce it, it and then it, it comes back. Mm. So uh, what is the news? The news is since the last show, I've had another gap of surfing. I missed the smallest window of waves. So the puddle jumper's dry. It's in the bag. You've been in. And I've just been working and swimming. Working and swimming. The swim time. I've got to get a swim time to get the current beach or even surf lifeguard qualification mm. of 7 minutes 30. It's 400 metres. 400 metres in yeah. 7 minutes 30, yeah. So I think that's pretty doable. I really do. I think it's not that quick. I think if you're unfit, it's, it's going to hurt like hell. But if you're surf fit and you're in regularly, I think you'd be doing that in the sixes. Yeah. Six forty. Just over six and a half. Six and a half. Yeah. You've got to feel the struggle, haven't you? So I'm, yeah. it's just nice to be back in the pool now that they're open. So I love swimming. I'd forgotten what it was like to swim in the pool rather than the sea. And, that, and sometimes if uh, bless them, you can avoid the grannies in the uh, fast lane because we, <laughs> it's not really a fast lane. We have a lane. lot of grannies in our hometown. Yeah. And fair play to them for, get, for getting in. Yeah. But what I find is the swimming bit, the swim training, when you go to a public session and you've got to navigate other swimmers in the lane that you're in, that comes with a degree of mindfulness, but also a degree of frustration. It's like a surf lineup. Mm-hmm. And do you, overtaking, when do you overtake? How do you swim in what is supposed to be the fast lane when people are doing breaststroke? Mm-hmm. It's just a parallel with the lineup that has different surf craft and different abilities. But when you're trying to sort of nail faster and faster times, it's quite frustrating. Do you think it benefits you surfing? Do you know this is a Good question. We talk about this a lot, don't we? We get asked this a lot. Swimming and surfing go together quite well. Again, the guys on Omby were talking about this, about people who surf and can't swim very well. I think if you can swim well and you have confidence in water, it inevitably reduces some of the fear factors you go into waves. So there's an element of that. Although bizarrely for me, as people who've listened to this for a long time know, I, I don't really love big waves. I don't get a lot of enjoyment. It sort of freaks me out a little bit. How Jumping. big's big for you? A couple of feet overhead or something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. the, anything that's kind of just throwing you around a little bit more. But mostly it's because of the board. Mm-hmm. You know, like we were talking about the other day, that shore break that wasn't particularly huge, but it was quite strong and it was going on. Without the board, you can body surf that, no problem. But once you put a surf craft in the way, it sort of freaks me out a bit more. But yeah, does it help swimming? I think to a degree it helps paddle fitness. It's a slightly different muscle recruitment at times, paddling. But there's similarities there if you're going to swim front crawl. So I do think it helps. Anything that helps overall water fitness, mm. how to breathe, how to swim, how to get used to being in the water is very, very helpful for surfing. But I was a swimmer before a surfer. Yeah, that's, that's helped yeah. you. Yeah, I can tell. But for my, um, my bigger trips as the years have gone by to, to Hawaii or Bali or places, I will always do a sort of pull program for a while, but mostly for the breath hold. Yeah. And trying to get the length underwater was 25 meters and then a second. And I was able to, for a good while, do that, do both lengths. So that gave me huge confidence. And it's all about the mind, let's be honest. Sport, life, surfing, the whole shebang is about how your mind is and where you're at psychologically. And if you feel that you get benefit from anything you do for your surfing, then you're getting the benefit because it's, you know, 
if you feel convinced of it mentally, then your belief systems are going to influence every cell in your body. And that is the mind-to-body connection. It's all about that psychological bit. It did help doing that pull work for those bigger trips because you know you're going to be getting into bigger waves. And when I would get thrown off a wave, particularly in, in Hawaii where my family live, you get held, you get seriously held down. It's, it's different. Hawaii is, it's so hard to describe, but the best way I can describe it when you fall off a wave there, even in just a head high wave, it just does not want to let you up. You guarantee you fall off and you just know you're under. It's like a different feeling. You guarantee in your mind. And so what you have to do is just completely let go straight away. And my brother always used to tell me, to, you know, just count, count seconds because it actually is much quicker than you think. I think in England, we might get second or two. If you're really unlucky, you get a third second, hold that. Like it's such a short amount of time. Whereas in Hawaii, it can get to like eight, nine, ten seconds. And it's all, oh, <laughs> you're like, please let me up. Please, please let me up. And I'll never forget being with a buddy of mine who actually is from London and isn't the fittest guy at all. And by his own admission, would tell you that he can't even surf small waves because he's just not fit enough for them. But he's so in that realm of don't give a shit and fearless, not fearless, obviously everyone has fear, but he just is, just wants those big waves. They're the waves he enjoys because he can get up and get on them. And, and I kind of empathize with that a little bit in the sense that being a bigger guy, I kind of like that because it, it helps me, helps my surfing. I can sort of throw my weight into it a lot more. But I'll never forget being with that buddy, uh, Jack, if he's listening. And we got to uh, a spot called Lanes in Maui. And it was, I don't know, 20 foot faces. And I just went, no. It was instantly for me, my cutoff is at about 12-ish, 15 foot faces. Looked at him, right, Jack, turn around. This ain't happening. And he looked at me and he went, he sort of felt like Mr. Miyagi with, you know, Karate Kid. And he looked at me and went, with his London accent, you're ready, mate. Like that. I'm like, fuck am I ready? And I had this sick, I had a 6 tiny little twig of a board and there was no one in i think the clue is yeah, if yeah. there's no one in in maui fucking there's your clue mate maybe a couple of lifeguards having a look and there's this one channel you've got to sneak through and i will cherish that surf forever though because i did get one wave that will absolutely be the way that i i mean listen i hope i get more waves like that in my lifetime barrels and, and such but that one wave i had this one left there that will live with me absolutely forever to the day i die because it just was the rush of my life it was just a giant wave and I just got into the right spot and I just kind of, thank God I made it around the corner of the barrel because Christ, if I'd looked back the other way, I probably would have just freaked out and not wanted to go anywhere. But it was an unbelievable rush. Well, it's those moments um, that uh, it's, it's after the event that you feel the rush, I suppose, don't you? Because you're alive. It's like life affirming. It's what William Finnegan said in, uh, in Barbarian Days, where wave height really should be measured in increments of fear rather than height for me, the level I'm at and who is an ocean lover and confidently would swim and surf and have fun in the sea, it's about the power, isn't it? And the conditions and what's around you at those times and where you're being taken by the waves and who else is there and how shallow it is or how rocky it is or how sharky it is. Thank God we don't have to contend with that because our local seal is frightening enough. I mean, so true. This is not a Disney drawn <laughs> seal, is it? <laughs> So he true. looks like one of the craze or something. It, it, what are you doing in my own break, mate? But it's, <laughs> we do have this one seal that just keeps popping up. And my God, he looks like Mike Tyson. He's got that Mike Tyson neck head thing. And is, he's a freaky dude. He's, he, looks, he might be a dudette. He might be a chick. I don't know. No, it's a male suit. He looks like he... How do you know? Have you seen his penis? 
It's huge. Did you right? flip him over and just, <laughs> where's your knob? Oh, there it is. Did you do that? I didn't see that. But on that front on fear, it's interesting because we all know where fear comes from. It comes from two places, the mind and the body. And if we just got to break that down for a second, if you ever have stuff, and this is for yourself, Lean, but it's for myself too. I'm talking to myself when I say this. If you ever have fear about anything, in particular, it's obviously surfing. It might be sort of ultra crowded lineups or coming back from an injury or you know, obviously bigger surf is the main one, or sharky surf mm. or whatever it would be. It's just practice noticing your mind, number one. So where are the thoughts? Where are they going? Are you actually picturing kind of worst case scenarios? Are you picturing what might happen? Are you picturing kind of what if and all this kind of stuff? Because if you're doing all that and you're not actually noticing you're doing that, then your body's going to be affected. You start to go into fight and flight without even being there. You're already going to fight and flight. So what you're doing is you're creating this, what's called a cellular level belief system, which is mind to body. So mind's going to what if. It's then going to body and body's cementing that down into the cells. Now, this is what happens to the subconscious mind. This is why people build strong fears. And the way to kind of break them down and kind of retrain your mind and body is just firstly to notice the thoughts. Where are those thoughts going? What kind of pictures and movies are you creating? And how irrational are they? Now, anything could happen. I mean, Jesus, we could create fears about anything. I could... <laughs> If I wanted to right now, if I sat here and I pictured worst case scenario of my car when we drive out of this studio, do you know what I mean? Like you can do it about anything, but if you're related to surfing, just notice if your mind's going there about sharks, about big waves, about whatever, and just pause to spot that. That's it. Take deep breaths, continue the deep breaths while you meditate on the fear. And what's amazing is our fears in the end are mostly irrational. Now, what's different is very different is something called intuition. Intuition and the body mechanism is much more wise and much more knowing of what's actually like, where's your level at, etc. And you always know that that's coming through as a real fear to look at and kind of go, actually, God, geez, this is really telling me not to do this or whatever, is when, no matter how much meditating you're doing, if you're still in the mind and you're having no thoughts, you now know it's no longer to do with the ego and the mind. It's actually... If you just pause to watch your mind, if there's no chatter, there's no this, no that, and the body just says no, the body says no. And that is what we must trust the most. If the body says no, that's end of. Well, it's funny you talk about, you know, I go back to the sharky stuff. As you get older and you become aware of your own mortality, there's an element that the mind fear takes over, right? So you kind of, it's the perception that you're in danger rather than reality of being in danger. And weirdly, I think this is in younger, certainly I, you have a, a kind of, less of an awareness of your own mortality. It's there, but you kind of testosterone and whatever ego is floating around overrides it to an extent. So it's kind of, it's not really there until after the event. Looking at sort of swimming and sharks, I think it was in Byron Bay, very early 20s, maybe 20, 21. And just being on the beach, they asked swim out to the wreck. You know, it's just, there's a wreck, isn't there, I think, off Byron Bay, if going from memory. And it's a fairly, you know, there's diving, I think, and there is snorkeling, but I just sort of did a swim out. Not very many people out. <laughs> it's kind of quiet day sort of evening sort of thing. I just thought I'll have a swim. And being a reasonable swimmer, I thought that's good. Fairly benign conditions. And it wasn't until I was sort of quite far out that I thought, hang on a minute, you're in Australia. <laughs> and there was this innate yeah. sense of yeah. you are now quite far down the food chain here mm. and you're not in your natural environment. The swim time that I did back to the beach in that instance was must have been phenomenal. Next I wish somebody was timing it. Next level. And I've never, even actually more so than the time at Croyd when you nearly drowned me, Will. But uh, <laughs> who, who said get, you get, getting my feet back on the ground, <laughs> getting my feet back on the beach again was one of the best feelings I've ever had because sometimes your animal brain takes over, your instincts take over, and you think, 
something isn't right here. Your body tells you that something isn't right. And I felt like I was prey for a, until I got my feet back on the sand. There you go, mate. Lovely place, Byron. I'd love to go back. What is the mindset now that you have for Bigger Surf? Mentally, what thoughts go on? Can you spot that they're irrational or can you spot that actually, no, no, actually my body says no? What is it there? It's knowing your levels, mm. firstly. So it's thinking, okay, what is outside my comfort zone but I'm happy with? So I'll give it a go and getting that mindset right. How do I feel? Do I feel up for it? Then you're in and you're giving it a go. It's those times when you think, ah, oh, no, I'm not sure about this. It's whether you override that. And, mm. and honestly, with the experience of not just surfing, but sport, it's almost an instinct no, rather than a mind kind of can't be asked vibe. In the times when I've had most injuries or things have happened that you think, oh, why didn't I listen to my own body rather than the mind? But in terms of overcoming some of the fear, which is probably a question now, well, is, and pushing myself, the enjoyment I get from it sometimes is great. It's lining up all of the conditions, the place, the vibe. It's not necessarily the size, as we say. It's about the power or the conditions or the place, you know, whether it's a point or a reefy or a beach, whatever it might be. And taking all that into consideration, real impact of sort of ageing, as I said so slightly, is that you do become a little bit more aware of your own mortality. You still take risks. I think surfers, you have to, don't you, to get the enjoyment mm-hmm. out of it. You're not as gung-ho, you know. I think that applies to all angles of life. It's a sort of risk assessment. You go, ooh, would I do that now? Like mm. I look back at sort of rafting on the Zambezi River in Africa when it's just thumping whitewater rafting. And would I get in that raft now at 45? I'd certainly think about it a bit harder than I did at, whatever, 28, 29 mm. years old. Mm. It's weird how age has well, that impact. It, for me, I feel the exact opposite. I feel more comfortable with death now than I did when I was in my 20s. Yeah. As in I feel gradually certainly with surf yeah. and certainly anything that really pushes me in terms of my limits and spheres like when i was at spot near north well no in north devon where it was i had to do a ditch dive mm. and i was totally surfing on my own there was no one even in the sea mm. and it was dark and it was cold and it was about as scary as it gets it was, actually it was in fairness it was scarier than maui and other spots i've been to in bigger days because it was cold and all these things and uh i didn't have a buddy didn't have any of that and um for me it's going the other way and i think it must be just to do with the mind it's just a, being more aware of it and the more aware I am, the more I can just deep breathe through it. Now, clearly still trying to kind of know where my limits are at and sort of gauge situations, etc. And if I didn't feel like I had the fitness or the ability, whatever, maybe I would not do certain things that I do because I do like big ways. But it's kind of one of those ones where, well, where does that self-filling prophecy come from? If it's not just the mind. If you look at the conditions and they're big, well, in your mind, if you're there and you're just deep breathing, you just within, you sort of just go, I will do this. Like, that's it. That's everything. It's black and white. As soon as you say, go on, I'm just going to give this a good old, good old crack. It's the commitment thing. Commi- total commitment. But it's honestly, when I'm out there, like before, I think when I was out in big waves, I used to get more freaked out because I sort of just wasn't managing. My- do you know the main thing is, is my breathing. If it's now really full on and I'm like, fucking, this yeah. is right out of my comfort zone. Boom, breaths. Nervous system's calming down. And this is to say that I'm out the back now. You obviously don't do this as you're paddling through. As you're paddling through, all you're thinking about is like, get out, just get out. And that's the workout element. And yes, there's fear going on in that, but not as much in some ways. Because you, when you're surfing and you're duck diving through big surf, yes, it's a bit scary, but you're more just dealing with the physical workload. Yeah. It's when you finally get out, you get, a, you get a lull in the sets and then you see a set building. That's when it can... And at that point... It's the breathing techniques. And listen, you can talk to any big wave surfer in the world and they'll tell you the same. Even remember Andrew Cotton in a video. Correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew, if you're listening to this, but talking about his breath work and how important it is to him. It really is the key. It's If your heart rate's up at 180 because of the anticipatory 
aspect of fear, which is, of course, way worse than reality, as we know. But it's that anticipation of what if, what if, what if. If your heart rate's going up because of mind-body connection to 150, 160, if you can't learn a technique to bring it back down to 100, well, yeah, you definitely will get the better of you. And you'll, you'll either want to just panic and get in and not know what to lose all your faculties, or you'll just sit there and not get away. So it's really important to try and, if you want to push that limit, a little bit more and get the, all the joy from it that you can get from that flow experience is the breath work. Breath work for the last couple of years for me has helped massively in all situations, not just surfing. And that kind of reduces all of the, if you like, the heightened sort of cortisol inducing fear that comes from both perceived and real fear situations. You know, if you can get a hold of your breath. I mean, interestingly, just as we're talking, I'm sort of thinking about how perhaps in some ways it's just more of an awareness of the conditions. And, you know, so you say, oh, where's the fear come from? I think the awareness gets you to deal with it better, but also can induce a fear as well. So it's that stretching of comfort zone, but being sort of inside a safety zone, isn't it, that we often talk about. And if you train for something, you've prepared for something, and if you've got the physical, if you then commit to it, you most of the time will be all right. It's like you've talked about when you were playing rugby and, you know, some of the football challenges that I've had, you go, if you don't commit to that, Mm. if you think you're going to get hurt, you'll get hurt. And so sometimes when you don't fancy it and you're thinking more along that negative, something's going to happen, I'm not really up for that. It is probably time to just leave it. There's only so much you can do to overcome that. But if stars are aligned, you get your mind work and your breath work in the right place and your body's ready for it, you've trained. You know, we always talk about that, what we're training for. Well, we're training for life and life presents these great opportunities and are you ready for them? Then go in and have a go and have a good time. But I still instinctively err on the side of reasonable power, but just nice, crisp, clean, Dude, I know. lovely days. Two inches. Two, two, two inches. <laughs> just snapping on the ankles. Ankle. And Liam's in A- over, uh, double heaven. Over, double over toe. <laughs> That's good. I wanted to mention one more thing before yeah. we move on to 72. It's just about female ego versus male in this realm of surfing, because we mentioned this in the show a long way back, but it's still, it's really, really worth bringing up quite often actually, because it's this thing of you have your surf thing you like to do. Conditions will change, obviously, in different spots you go to, they'll get bigger sometimes. And like we just discussed, there's this whole thing of fear. And what's interesting with female ego is that it's not quite as strong as male. It's in so many ways, much more willing to just go, no, no chance and be so comfortable with it that's the yin the softness the forgiveness the acceptance all those words that come with the feminine energy and then you have this masculine you have this kind of male ego and it's seeing other males doing what they're doing and trying to oh yeah sure i'll do and it's like it overrides the system the wisdom system the system that's actually saying no like fucking don't go in (laughs) but with blokes with men there's this like no go and what we're trying to do in some ways a little bit as males with our awareness is untrain that immediate response to yes, when actually there's the deeper parts underneath saying no. It's trying to take a bit of that feminine energy and just go, do you know what? It's so okay to not want to push your surfing like that. Like that's just more than okay. And it's just like, that's it. Done deal. And it doesn't have to be a competition. Yeah. Because you do get that male testosterone. Yeah, of course Hang on, I can't be seen to lose face here. And I'm going to go for this, even though if you want to watch that hilarious example of that, it's the Will Ferrell, Mark Wahlberg, Daddy's Home, I think. Oh my God. Can I just say? The skate ramp dropping. That that is is one of my (laughs) favourite movies of all time. When they do the bedtime story. Do you remember that? It's just, honestly, guys, if you haven't watched Daddy's Home, oh, 
There's a couple of surf metaphors in there where there's, where he gets on the motorbike and revs it and it goes through the house. That's it. And the skateboard ramp, boom, dropping Fucking, it. I'm going to watch that movie tonight. I've watched that movie a number of times and it's not the kind of, so I don't watch movies more than one. I just act quite religious and part from Indiana Jones, none of the Star Wars are the, Indiana Jones I can watch multiple times for whatever reason, don't know why. All other movies, again, can't watch them multiple at all, just any, any, any. Daddy's Home? Do you know why? I think it probably shines a light and a real big one, by the way, yeah. on my ego. <laughs> when I watch it, I laugh at it so much because I can laugh at the hilarity of my competitive ego. So it's this thing where you go, oh, my God, that's so funny because I am such a fucking ridiculous human to have this competitive, like, oh, I care so much about how I do ego. This is what's lovely about the feminine energy, going back to that, because the competitiveness, now, Jesus, there are a number of women who are very competitive. But a lot of the, if not most of the females I know are not like that. You know, my dear wife, when I come back from cricket and I tell her about this and that, and, and she's like, oh, you know, doesn't give a shit. Who won, who lost doesn't even, because in her mind, it's the competition's like, this is utterly pointless. Why have a contest where someone has to lose? Why, why not just enjoy cricket? You know, oh, I mean, but men, I, we do get... I mean, so- my wife is happy to kick my ass at more sports if she wants to have a nice. go. Yeah. No, oh, ah, <laughs> yeah. nice. Especially, yeah. There you go. There's the anomaly. There's another one, though. I'm sure some people will hate that movie. Send us some movie recommendations, actually, or film recommendations. Sorry, to Old School with Will Ferrell as well. Oh, that is such a good <laughs> film. Will Ferrell movies, I think you just can't go wrong. Basic, but some funny stuff in there. Very good. Hey, hope you're enjoying the show. If you connect with what we do here at The Mindful Surfer, why not share it with your friends? Or go on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Because the more ratings we have the more likely it is Liam and I can come back week after week and keep building this community of mindful surfers. Now, let's get back to the show. Moving on, segment number two, a bit of mindfulness just to reconnect to the present moment. So take a deep breath in through your nose. And breathe out. And breathe in. And breathe out. What I want you to do now is just notice, uh, this is a technique you can use in the surf, obviously. If it ever gets big or crowded or whatever, it kind of kind of takes you out of your flow and whatever. And it's to practice four seconds in, breathing, and then when you breathe out, it's breathing out for 15 seconds. The more seconds you can do on the out-breath, the better. I mean, get, if you can get up to 30, get up to 30, get up to 45. It's the out-breath that is what calms us down. It's not the in-breath. The in-breath is obviously necessary, otherwise you wouldn't have any air in you. It's the out breath. So work on that now. Let's do three breaths. So take a deep breath in. And when you breathe out now, see how slowly you can release the air. And here's a little tip. Bring your lips together like you're going to whistle and it'll just release the air even more slowly. Take another breath in. And again, just bring your lips together and blow that air out as slowly as you can. Good work, guys. One more breath. Deep breath in. And release the air on 15 seconds. So bring your lips together and control that air coming out. 
good work, guys. When you're in the midst of adrenaline, the technique we just did there becomes even harder to do because your lungs constrict. Whenever you're in fight or flight, your lungs constrict. So it takes really regular practice of doing breathwork techniques in situations where you might be triggered emotionally by something or you might be nervous about a speech coming up or you might be in bigger surf and getting a bit more afraid or whatever. Put in whatever there you like. Anything that takes you out of that comfort, it takes work. It takes work to work through that. And you've got to kind of just keep practicing, keep practicing, because as you take that deep breath in, it's going to feel quite short. And the first out breath might come out a lot quicker than you want it to. Do the next one, be a bit slower, and then the next one. And then before you know it, if you've done like five minutes of that kind of work, of releasing air that slowly, your biochemistry, this is what I love. I mean, I love this so much. Your actual biochemistry has changed. Back to calm, to ease, to peace. And yes, there might still be thoughts about this or that or the other, what if, blah, blah, blah. You might still have those uncertainty thoughts, etc. And they might trigger you just a little bit here and there, but it's nowhere near as impactful. And then you're back into that still calm state. And geez, you know, we deal with triggers all the time. I'll give you one of mine. Just it's the most ridiculous trigger, but this is the thing with triggers. You can never, ever, ever judge yourself. So be hard on yourself about what triggers you because it's so small and to others would seem so strange is to completely deny the human form. We can be triggered by anything. And that can be from like tiddlywinks on one end down to like, you've been told you're going to die tomorrow. I mean, like everything in between. My one, because I play cricket, is this little, as soon as I start thinking about the next game coming up, my heart rate just increases. Because the heart rate increasing is linked to ego, which is linked to performance anxiety, which is linked to, you know, people seeing me do well, not do well, etc. And it comes up all the time. Like I was laying this morning, meditating, and it came up and heart rates going up and going up. And when I wasn't able to manage myself like I am today, that would start to kind of overtake the system and it would become, and bang, the breath work, you can't rush it. You can't expect to calm down like the click of a finger. It takes work. It takes the breath work. You're breathing in ever so slowly breathing out. Where's your mind at too? Not just body stuff. Are you now focusing your mind on the breath? Because if your mind is still on the thoughts while you're doing the deep breaths, well, you're only getting half the benefit. You need to have your mind and your body as one. And then you give it a bit of time and before you know it, bang, it's gone. And it makes you realize that the drama we have in our lives does not exist. And there'll be a lot of people right now who want to strangle me for saying that. Do you not realize the problems in the world and I've got this to do and that? And they would just go without ever realizing that they are the ones causing themselves that stress. So when someone's not aware of it, we said this many times in the show. When someone's not aware of that, how can you judge that? And how can you get annoyed with that? Because it's just, it just is what it is. And everyone's got to manage themselves best the way they know how, you know? Massively. I mean, all this stuff is popping up and they're gateway books, aren't they? Into sort of presence and a bit of our woo-woo stuff and the power of now, if you like, to quote the title of like Eckhart Tolle's book. And then I'm doing this new earth still. We usually read books quite quickly, but this is so, the words kind of bounce while we're doing this um show because there's a bit in there that sort of just reminds me about living in a more mindful manner and, and being in the here and now and the present. And so after a couple of pages, boom, I'm so out for the count. It's unbelievable. And it's because it resets and reminds you, you're not your thoughts and you kind of take yourself out of that. And what I find very interesting, and you have to put your hand up and say guilty when you read some of this stuff, is, you know, things around like pain bodies and 
where that sense of feeling is coming from. And when we're judging other people, are we actually holding a mirror up to ourselves? And if you get angry about this particular topic, you are sweating the small stuff massively. For what gain? For your own body and mind and health. We tie ourselves up in knots, and I've done this for many, many years myself, around things that are so beyond our control. And of course, it doesn't mean that you don't have concern for the world or you don't have concern for things that are happening. You know, I've been overtly involved in news and politics and worry about things. But really, the first thing to start repairing and building is yourself and realizing that those things are often, they take almost a form of imaginary role play in your head. They're not really happening. And so bringing that back to a here and now is what brings it back to kind of almost the ultimate truth, if you like, mm. where you are currently. It's even this kind of idea that, and yeah, I'd say I fall into the trap. Oh my God, the world is going to hell in a handcart. The, the world is falling apart. Where are you right now? And I think that's why I started listening to, uh, again, you know, we're fans of this guy on the show, Aubrey Marcus, and uh, he's just done a four-hour podcast. And he's talking to a guy who is talking a lot about this. I started like five minutes of it and I need to go back to it. So I won't sort of go into the details, but it is this idea that we push out and we worry about so many things. And actually to bring it back to the present is where it can be. But we get ourselves involved in this stuff at the detriment of our own health and lives. And it doesn't actually meet our reality. And even though these things are happening in the world and we Mm. we have concern about them, there's an element that if we sort of all just sat and appreciated what we have, that energy would kind of roll outwards and roll onwards. And it becomes a self-fulfilling thing because behavior is contagious Mm -hmm. to an extent. And so if we're all behaving like kind of frantic, stressed then everybody's frantic and stressed. Mm-hmm. You see it in sports teams, you see it in companies, you see it in families, you know. The kind of thing that creates whatever pain body that is grows outwards and everybody becomes infected by it. Mm. It kind of ties into, I don't know if it was Wayne Dyer who you quote, this, maybe it's the guy who you said, and I, I might be wrong, Will, so correct me. This, you know, you are the kind of some of the five people that you hang out with mm-hmm. as well. Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn. Sorry, you are the average Rohn. of the five people you spend the most Jim, time with. Jim Rohn, that's the guy. And you go, okay, so if everybody in that network has that good energy, then that kind of expands and they hang out yep. with good people. Yep. And it sounds very like California woo-woo, doesn't it? But in a way, it helps to live that. And uh, I know that I've got huge benefits from being a sceptical, you know, this is hip, new age hippie stuff, to really going, yeah, some of the shit that I've worried about over the years is pointless. Mm-hmm. And to kind of bring it back around to what we talked about many times in the show is that you get these little hacks and this kind of links to what I think the guy with Aubrey Marcus is going to sort of chat about. You get these little cheat codes, as he would call them. Like Jerry Lopez would actually term it a backdoor into these worlds that are total presence. And surfing is probably for us the biggest, biggest one of that. You know, there are other things that, you know, so other things that get you into a flow state. And then you're into the kind of realms of like, what is it, MEO and DMTs and psilocybins. And that's a topic for another show. But stuff that has always previously as well been said, oh, no, that's crazy shit, man. Don't take, don't look at that. That's crazy shit. And then suddenly you go, well, it's coming into mainstream medicine now. And people are saying, well, hang on a minute. This might have positive effects on resetting the mind. But we're fortunate as surfers or ocean kind of users to have been given the key, as I've said before, to this little door that takes you into that without the need for narcotics or mind work or whatever. It's just surfing gives you that cheat code to take yourself out of the crazy world that we sometimes live in. So true, dude. And in that growing awareness of your ego, the big symptom of that in your surfing is how much joy you have for others. 
as much as your own. And that's where we must just have complete trust in the universe because when you're in a good state and you're taking care of yourself and you're being disciplined with your mind work and you're becoming more and more aware, it becomes totally unnatural, completely and utterly unnatural and strange to want to hold back from aiding another. Yeah. It's totally therefore natural and wonderful and seems like it just all clicks and works when you're having as much joy for someone else's way they've just caught as your own. In that, you have friendlier and friendlier and friendlier lineups. And that becomes this idea of, you know, surfing utopia. And does it exist? No, of course not. Because we dip in and we dip out of ego awareness. And that's the whole point. It's the duality. It's the journey. There's no destination. It can't just be static. But overall, I can see surfers in the next, you know, how many years while we're alive, Liam, becoming more aware. Surfers are people who, like you said, like Jerry says, have gone into the back door of mindfulness, not the back doors like, you know, anal, but the back doors, the back door. Sorry, I'm now distracted about <laughs> having anal sex. I'm going to talk about back it, door it, as in the wave. No, it was that saying, did you no. go through the back doors? That's like a expression for did you do anal? But, you know, you think... <laughs> We interrupt this broadcast I, I, I for a public me, apology. It took me 30 minutes to get there as well. Fucking hell, I'm getting better. Hey, we were getting and now serious I'm swearing too. We were getting serious and deep then. You've gone and ruined it. I think Aubrey might have been listening at that point. Yeah. I think now he's like, oh, God. But no, it's just this thing where because surfers have gone into that back door, you know, they're already halfway there. So in having these conversations, it's not super weird because surfers, you know, it's like, you know, why are we going in there? And so much of it is about others. It's about the sharing of souls and joy. And then also nature and just experience of slide along on this nature thing that's crazy and energy and where's the energy from and how is there energy in this wave when the wave is the wave a wave or is it energy or is it because that's fucking rad anyway when you think about it. And listen, we know you and I, when we surfed in lineups of let's say six friends, five, four friends, eight friends, certain groups where we know each other and everyone's in that awareness realm, the vibes are good, everybody gets their share of waves. Everybody seems to get the wave of their life. And there's this camaraderie and there's like pseudo coaching basically coming mainly from me. When I, t I tell Liam, he having not asked for advice that I've said, look, try and do this with your rail. It just works, doesn't it? It's well, why we just got to trust in the universe. One of the biggest challenges I think is when you've come from competitive sports, business, life, ego tells you almost that you can only do well sometimes at the expense of almost others doing, you know, it's kind of, there's a finite resource and you have to get it. It's like, what's your share of the pie? Well, what if the pie is infinite? Then it doesn't matter how much you get or how much somebody else gets. So there's enough to go around. It's kind of that vibe, isn't it? And there is a scarcity of waves. So I understand that kind of concept when it relates to surfing. But the more you can sort of try and override this idea that in order for you to have a good time, succeed, do well, other people in some way need to be doing less well, failing, however you want to apply that to whatever facet of your life, but particularly with surf, if you can override that and wish them well in their journey of enjoyment and getting the most out of it. Most people are in this life to somehow have a good time and have the best of it that they can. And there is enough of that, hopefully, to go around for us all in this world. And that particularly when it relates to surfing. So if you can channel that kind of almost that benevolence and we'll fall off this wagon because we're human beings and somebody drops in on you on a wave, Will, and sort of takes it off you, as, as you often do. And, and, <laughs> and then you suddenly, you su he's, I don't you, know hell you, you're suddenly challenged in that sort of desire to want the best for people. But the times you've you really hit the sweet spot of it, sometimes great things happen without being able to even explain them.
And that can be as simple as thinking, I'm happy for that competitive business to do as well as they need to do. They're, yeah. all, they're in this for the same reason I am. They want Hell to yeah. maybe feed their family and have a good time and give themselves freedom and whatever else it might be. And we can do well too. And the mm. same thing is true of surfing. I want that guy to get some, or that surfer over there to get some great waves. Good on them. Doesn't mean you're oh, not yeah. going to get any. Doesn't mean you're not going to get any. And it's also to say that in being more mindfully aware like this, it's not a green light for people to drop in on you. No. Or a green light for someone to charge through on a stand-up into a busy lineup and make you feel unsafe or whatever it might be. You can assert your boundaries whilst being mindful, whilst being someone who is authentically coming from you know, stillness. So it's this thing where, yes, friendly lineups, but at the same time, whew, know where you stand, know where your boundaries are. If people are pushing it, then, you know, speak up. It's more than fine. That doesn't mean you're not being mindful. Yeah, there's a difference, isn't there? It's a big difference. You know, if you lose it and start fucking throwing punches and going mental, okay, 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 now you've taken it way beyond assertion and and being assertive and into like, you know, into angry day, you know, the the Australian Dave, who we need to talk to um, soon. But no, you can assert that and still be... Yeah, it's that whole, you don't have to be a push, mindfulness, friendliness, benevolence, kindness, gentleness, softness, doesn't mean passive and uh, being a walkover, does it? You have boundaries, and and so there are ways to define that. And actually, the more of those you draw, it enables you to remain calm, mindful. Because if you don't speak up sometimes, again, talking from experience, talking to ourselves, you sit on that, and then your mind plays out. Oh, I should have said that. What if I'd have done that? What if, what if, what if? What if I play this scenario out now where I my ego takes over and I'm really telling somebody what I think? Well, just say it and say it mindfully mm. and then that's gone. That's diffused. Or don't sit on it. There you go. Yeah. Beautiful, dude. Take number three. Mind, body, stoke. Things Liam and I have been doing with our minds and bodies to raise the stoke. And I'd like to mention something on mind. I was surfing two days ago and it was really, really, really windy and cold and sloppy and not great and cold water Uh, just a bit of everything that we have where we live and it was a fun surf i got a couple of really good lefts real nice tail release out of my puddle jumper and uh and i felt like i was really on it and it was good fun but my mind kind of wandered a few times into like a oh i'd love to be going on a flight to bali tomorrow and relive that a little bit and this is the thing about the mind it can lead to things like inspiration motivation and productivity from a place of not want as in if i don't want this current lifestyle. Well, okay, well, it, it can give me a rod up the ass to kind of sort my shit out and let's start making something happen, right? Mostly what it does actually is the opposite. It kind of reduces our productivity. It de-energizes us and demotivates us, etc. because we look at our current circumstance and compare it against something that might be quote unquote better and think that being in bodies in the sun, surfing beautiful waves and, and really ripping into it, etc., would be the thing that is going to you know, make you happy, so to speak. Now, of course, that's complete fallacy because we adapt to everything and wherever you go, there you are. So unless you're changing from, you know, Dave to Steve, who's the happier human, then you're not going to have a happier time because it's all about, you know, what is your general emotional state each day? Your general emotional state each day will dictate every day you have. That's it. Full stop. But it is also to say that there's that human side, there's that bit in all of us, which can become and definitely does happier temporarily. And it's to be enjoyed. That's the whole thing with holidays. That's the whole thing with the sun and better way, better ways, more powerful ways and cleaner ways where you get to do more turns and you catch more of them and you're soaking up the minerals in the water and you, the sun's on you and the fruit is tropical and sweet and the just, 
you feel healthy to the tan and it's like a bit of everything isn't it mm. is that there's nothing wrong as well with just embracing that joy and it's temporary and it will pass to be enjoyed massively but at the same time it is not the savior i certainly do this i look back on on previous surf trips with rose tinted spectacles i have this perception of the past bali trips i think i've done three and each of them i go i just pick up the highlights yeah it's all my mind does it doesn't think of the keen slog of travel and how tiring that is and the three or four days of jet lag it doesn't think at all of when i had diarrhea so bad that when i ate a piece of corn on jimbaran beach i literally felt my bumhole squeeze and i'm not kidding you liam i had consumed that corn and within two seconds, I had a, oh my God, I need to go to the loo. Went to the loo and I shat actual corn, like real little <laughs> chunks of corn. We don't remember all these moments. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. And the sweat and the dehydration and the kind of being in airports. and uh, All we remember is oh, glossy. Oh, yeah, yeah. That uh, wave, that wave, that wave. Oh, when I got barreled there, yeah. that bit there, the blue water, the... Oh, when I first paddled out. Yeah. One of the most beautiful things on surf trips is when you first paddle out, and you, in your hand, just coats into that like bathwater, and you're like, oh my god! And you're looking down at the reef, and but if it, it forgets all the shit, and which is why we just got to notice the mind. It's yeah. ludicrous. It's yeah. ludicrous. It's so true that, and it's one of those where you go, the past is just a, your interpretation of events, as you say, in its best light. Usually, sometimes it's actually oh yeah, it's, it's the opposite is true, and you kind of put a very negative spin on certain events. It's never either, as you've said before, as good or as bad as it was in some ways. And there were moments at that time that you think were brilliant, that you were sat there going, oh, I wish I was somewhere else. And the mind drifts in and you have anxiety about a certain issue. Or, Like I say, the only truth in the way is where you are in any given time. Doesn't mean you can't have aspiration. Doesn't mean you can't have happy memories. Doesn't mean you can't look forward to things. But really, it's not wasting that moment that you're in for some imaginary past or future. Well said. Anything you want to share, mind and body? Body-wise, just say one little thing, because everybody knows here on the show that I'm a very passionate advocate for um, alcoholic beverages, <laughs> particularly beer. Of course. I will not promote any more breweries because they haven't sent me anything to sort of uh, sample or enjoy, you know, joking aside. But I've gone back to really booze-free weeks. So working week, I'll try and keep clean because I'm training on the surf front again. I start my beach training. I start sea swimming again in May. All the things start to kind of reactivate and the lockdown as we come out of it opens up more of those kind of clubs and stuff that I'm involved in. And so I'm just sort of taking it easy on the booze in the week and sort of then having it as a mindful treat. So this is me as a sort of hardened sort of embracer of all things that come in a can or a bottle. And honestly, yeah, I do feel a bit better and a bit sharper. I'm up earlier. Much as I've previously gone, oh, no, it doesn't make a difference to me. I feel good at whatever I'm doing. I've had a couple of weeks where just sort of taking a little bit more care of what I'm putting in on that front has helped me help our training sessions. And so, yeah, that's my little bit of a body thing at the moment. It is by no means a teetotal approach that I'm taking, but it's a just a little bit of moderation reintroduced again. And what happens is, for the benefit of anybody who's sort of into beer as much as I am, the more I have that period of abstinence, when I then do come to enjoy it, not only do I enjoy my beer more, but it's not just a habit of drinking. And I don't drink very much either. <laughs> I get my fill very quickly. That's my very boring, isn't it? But that's what I've been doing. No, I, it's I, I, good. I feel much better and hopefully sort of seeing some gains from it. It's really good. It's really good. Amazing thing with beer or any fun food, drink, beverage, whatever you want to put in there, is when you just for a moment step back and look at the equation of how many minutes of joy it provides versus what it could do in terms of a detriment. So what's, what, this is what we call cost-benefit ratio. 
the average beer, in, even if you drank it slowly, 15 minutes, is that about right? Do you think? 10? I don't know. Yeah. I drink beer pretty dark. If I'm going to have alcohol, I'd uh, quaff it down. But let's say 15 minutes. Yeah. Now, if that 15 minutes means the next day when you go surfing for three hours and then have work to do, which takes concentration and have the kids to organize, which takes being, you know, calm. And if you actually start working out that you've got this thing called the day, 12 daylight hours, roughly, and you've got like, for me, you know, dark chocolate or beer for Liam or whatever, insert whatever you treat you like as well, that may actually genuinely affect the quality of the next day. You've just got to have a moment where you look at the maths. It's insane. And the reason why it's insane is because it's not you the real you that's choosing to do it. It's your unconscious mind that's doing it, like you said, habitually. So it's about taking a step back and going, this tiny moment, it might, let's say, for example, it might bleed into the weight gain of someone overeating in, in a sense, but they know that they want to get leaner for their surfing. Being lean for your surfing is essential. If you want to get the most out of it, it's, it's huge. It's a power sport. It's pure physics. If you're leaner, you're going to surf better. It's just like up on your board faster, catching more waves. Your turns will complete easier. So if someone's habitually overeating, it's being able to look at it from the perspective of what is it that really brings you joy in this life? Is it your surfing for hours and hours and hours of the joy of that and it's how good it is for you? Or is it this 10 minutes or even less sometimes the way people scoff stuff or 15 minutes when you actually look at that? I've worked with a lot of people over the years with these kind of things, being the coach that I am. And that's quite a powerful exercise to do with people is actually just say to them, say, look, what is it you really, really love? Let's just look at those activities. Okay, number one, time with the kids. Number two, it's when I go running, you know, surfing. How many hours and hours are involved in that? And what is it you need for all those activities to get the most from them? Vitality. Where does that vitality come from? It comes from what you put in your gob. Yeah. It really does. 80% of the vitality we have in life is from what we put in our bodies. The remaining 20, sleep, stress, breathing, possible supplementation, exercise, da 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 Insert what you will, people you surround yourself with. But A, I swear, in my lifetime in practicing coaching people for 16 odd years and have done upwards of 14,000 sessions one-on-one as well as seminars and also what you put in your body has the biggest effect mm. on how you feel. If you want the absolute highest quality life you can with your surfing, with whatever, you treat your body literally like a temple and you notice everything that is going on in that relationship. But at the same time, there's a duality in this. At the same time, notice if you're starting to overanalyze it. Yeah. Because if you're the kind of person that overanalyzes it to the point where you're losing vitality, well, don't fucking do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But if you're someone maybe like me, I'll use myself as an example because I'm the only person I know the best, really. I love that. So for me, eating the way I eat, which is some people think is the most extreme way of eating you can, because it's so clean and void of all sugar, all alcohol, all grains, all, it, they would go, oh my God, I would just, uh, oh, it would freak me out. Fine. In that case, that's all good. So it's, it's also remembering the duality in this is that, yes, what you put in your body affects your vitality, but it's all relative, of course. Everyone has a different level that they are comfortable with, that mm-hmm. they can do. And I just want that absolute banging level, like right up there, just because it's me. And that's my, my deal. But do I judge someone who doesn't mind me a cup of stone overweight and overeating this and that and the other and smoking and drinking? Of course not, man. Fuck do I, no would judgment, I judge that? There's no judgment, is there? Their own way cheat codes into something. But having experienced both, the best cheat code for having a good time is the stuff that takes you into optimum feel-good surfing, 
kind of body, mind, whatever, being clear and, and having clarity. It doesn't mean there isn't space for those other things, but probably we talked about last week. The only person can be honest with you is yourself to an extent. And uh, if the thing that you're doing is driving you and you're not driving it, as we said mm. before, it's taking over and it's not a healthy and productive, then why do it? <laughs> Damn straight. Uh, anyway. Damn straight, my friend. Beautifully put. Segment number four, any surf media you want to share, do? Yeah, do you know, I, I, I've been looking forward to this and it wasn't out when I tried to watch it, but I ended up watching an older one, which I really enjoyed. His Weird Waves is back with Dylan Graves. So series three is out now and I think he's just released it at time of recording today. So this is this week if you listen to the show. But how many are out now? I think this is the third series. Oh, but no, but as in in this series, is this, this just is the first episode? first for episode release right, today. Got it, got it. Uh, we'll put a little note in the show notes. But what I did, because uh, I was looking for it at the weekend when I wasn't surfing, I watched the one about wave pool technology and it was fascinating. He presents it really well, Dylan Graves. He brings other people in and some of the sort of ones they've done around the world, uh, one that he did with the uh, Denganauskas was fantastic. All of his shows I really enjoy. So Weird Waves is what I'm looking forward to seeing. That Weird Wave show is as good as surf content yeah. can get because it isn't just this is how high an era can do and this is how deep a barrel I'm going to get and, and this is how impressive I am yeah. surfing this size of wave and all the ego elements. It's actually just so down to earth, full of humour, yeah. lightheartedness, mindful moments, yeah. nature, everything we want surfing to be about. I love, love, love that show yeah. and Dylan Graves and be ace to connect with him one day. And listen, we have some... Arking weird ways hey, where we live. I'm not I'm you're saying our American listen. Hey Dylan. Yeah, who's this is that Matt again? Is Matt did, oh, we, Matt we, we, like, Yeah, hey, you guys. That's Matt Biolas. Everybody That's Matt knows Biolas. that. Everyone's starting yeah. to realise who is this Matt Biolas guy that Liam talked about? Hey oh, oh, I get it. Yeah. Yo, I know Dylan Graves, I'll get him on the show for you. <laughs> oh, good stuff, guys. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, we'll see you we'll next see, week. See you again soon. Bye.